This is the Author Biz Podcast with Stephen Campbell, session number 22. Welcome to the Author Biz Podcast. I'm Stephen Campbell, and each week I'll bring you interviews, information, and insights focused on the business of being an author. You can find the episode show notes, links to everything mentioned in the show, and lots more information at theauthorbiz.com. Greetings and welcome to The Author Biz, the Monday podcast focused on delivering actionable information to help you run your business as an author. Wherever you are, however you listen, thanks for spending some of your time with me today. In this session, we're going to take a deep dive into building your author platform. There are plenty of definitions of author platforms floating around out there, but today's guest, Tim Grawl, uses one that I really like. He defines an author platform as... Basically, anything that you do to sell books. It's a nice, simple explanation, and it makes sense. The reason reality TV stars hit the bestseller list when they release a book is because they're famous. Their show is their platform. But what do those of us who aren't TV or sports stars do to build a platform? That's what we're going to be focusing on today. We're going to get into specific strategies and tactics authors can use to give themselves the best possible chance of building a platform that can support their work for years to come. Is it easy to build that kind of platform? No, it's not. But it's possible if you're willing to invest your time intelligently. So it is hard work, but like we talked about early on, it's it's spending time on the right things. You know, if you're spending time building the right things, you're going to have long-term success. If you spend your time wasting your time on a bunch of different things that don't actually help, you're going to have long-term failure. So it's really important to figure out what those important things are, what those things are that make a big difference and focus your time on those. That was Tim Grawl. He's the president of OutThink, a company that works with authors to help them connect with readers, build their platforms, and sell more books. As you'll hear in the interview, I first learned of Tim through a link on Hugh Howey's website. Since then, I've had conversations with other authors who have worked with OutThink, and they all speak of Tim in glowing terms. This is an information-packed interview, and I can tell you that you'll be seeing some changes to my websites based on the ideas you'll hear Tim sharing today. My sites are theauthorbiz.com, where you can find show notes and links to everything mentioned in this episode, and stephenrcampbell.com for my writing, and that's Stephen with a PH. If you like what you hear in the episode, please consider writing a review on iTunes, which is the largest search engine for podcasts on the internet. The iTunes algorithms are very much like the ones at Amazon. The more reviews you get, the more likely your content will be recommended to others. If you're not sure how to leave a review on iTunes, check the show notes for this episode. I've written a short set of easy-to-follow instructions if you're interested in writing a review. And if you are, I thank you. Now, let's get on with the interview. My guest today is Tim Grawl, the president of OutThink, a company that helps authors and writers create their platform, connect with readers, and sell more books. Tim works primarily with nonfiction authors and has several best-selling authors as clients, but he also has clients on the fiction side, with Hugh Howey being among the most notable. Tim is also the author of Your First 1,000 Copies, a step-by-step guide to marketing your book. Tim, welcome to the Author Biz. Thanks for having me, Stephen. been looking forward to it. Thank you. I uh, I first came across your work when I was at Hugh Howey's blog, and I thought, what an unbelievably nice website. Who did this? So I scrolled <laughs> down at the bottom and saw this company named OutThink, and I clicked on a link, and I, I was taken to your site, and uh, I signed up for your email list and, and became connected to you and, and your world. Um, tell us about OutThink and what you, what you do. Well, we work with authors to help them connect with readers, uh, build their platform, and sell more books. Uh, So we've been doing that 
about six years now and helped authors build their platform, whether they're a brand new author or a longstanding author, and then successfully launched their books. Um, and then over the last couple of years, we've transitioned into um, doing more like you signed up for the newsletter, you know, sharing more of um, all this stuff we've learned in a way that more people can take advantage of it. Um, and so I'm actually doing a lot more writing about it now uh, than I ever have as well. But, you know, that's what we focus on any, any way we can to, to help authors uh, connect with their fans. And and because I follow your work now, I, I see some of the other things you're doing, like it's almost a writing in public kind of a thing. You're setting some some goals for yourself, something you've done in the past. You set goals for yourself, and then you just achieve them in public, which is really interesting to watch. Well, you know, it's a it's a combination of things. The first is I learned a while ago that I'm much more apt to follow through on things I want to do if I have a whole lot of outside pressure to make sure I do it. <laughs> so um, the first thing I did uh, throughout Think was last year, about this time, I announced that I was going to try to sell 10,000 copies of my book in the first year it was out. And that was because after five months that the book had been out, you know, it was doing what most books do, which is it sold a lot of copies at first, and then it was slowly trickling down over time. And I wanted to see if there was something I could do to keep the sales coming in and keep the word out about my book and keep spreading the word. And But, you know, I'm busy. I have clients, and my book isn't always top priority. So I thought, well, if I put this goal out in public, um, then I kind of have to actually try to reach it. So I did it, and um, and yeah, I ended up hitting the goal, although it came really close to me missing it towards the end. <laughs> uh-huh. But um, yeah, so I just try to do things, and I think in the process too, you know, I think it's important to share these stories because so many of us just assume, and I do this too, assume that people kind of everybody else has it together, and I'm the only one that's struggling. And even though we logically know that's not true. It's hard when you visit all these authors' websites or you hear about all these people selling all these books and you're looking at your sales and you're like, well, I've sold 10 books this month. (laughs) And so I really wanted to just kind of share in public um, both sides, you know, when I was struggling and couldn't sell books, things that worked, things that didn't work, um, and just kind of bring people along so they could see, you know, one, that it's not easy for everybody else. Um, but also, too, they could learn along with me because I didn't know how to do it. And so I had to go out and learn how to do it. And hopefully some people could learn alongside me. And that was a non a piece of nonfiction or a nonfiction book. That was your thousand copies step by step guide, right? Exactly. Yes. And now you're doing it with fiction. Yeah. So, I, you know, I've always wanted to you know, write a novel and uh, and back over the summer, I got uh, I got invited to write for this anthology, a short story. So I wrote like a five thousand word piece. It's actually coming out tomorrow, and um, you know it was the first kind of fiction piece I'd ever decide to publish. And it was like the most excruciating five thousand words I've ever written. <laughs> you know, I've written millions of words of nonfiction, but those five thousand words of fiction were were excruciating. Um, but you know, it turned out well, and so I decided, okay, I really want to publish. I really want to publish a piece in fiction um, and a full-length novel. And so what can I do to kind of make this actually happen? Because I've been talking about it, and I've been writing some fiction here and there, but, you know, I keep putting it off. So I was like, well, so literally I decided one morning, okay, I'm just going to do this. So I wrote an email and sent it out to my list of like, okay, I'm going to publish a book in, in less than six months. I'm going to publish a fiction book. And so now, and as soon as I sent it, I was like, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> you know, now I actually have to do this. And so um, actually I'm about, I think I broke like 35,000 words this morning um, into the book uh-huh. and I'm doing NaNoWriMo, which is the National Novel Writers Month where you try to write a 50,000 word novel uh, during the month of November, which is what I need to do in order to publish it uh, in time. 
So yeah, I'm just sharing, you know, sharing things as I learn it. Again, when you, you know, it's one thing to talk to people that have written. It's one. It's another thing, um, you know, to work with writers and see. But when you actually sit down and try to do it yourself, um, you can empathize in a whole new way, um, and you learn things about yourself as well. You know, like I come up with all these excuses to not get my writing done, but for the last. 18 days I've written. So I've written 18 days straight and Mm -hmm. I'm churning out, you know, 1800 to 2200 words a day. And it's like, man, all of a sudden, all those excuses I always have for not writing are getting thrown out the door because look, I can write, I can do it every day. And so, you know, and I wouldn't learn those things about myself until I actually force myself to do something hard. And as someone from the outside looking in, it'll be fun to see the process that you go through when it comes to editing the manuscript and, and working through different drafts and, and eventually hitting your deadline and publishing it. It's, it's kind well, of exciting. You know, Stephen, we're not talking about that right now because I'm acting like that's never going to happen. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll, I'll yeah, take that back. <laughs> yeah, that's the, only, that's the only way I can actually sit down and write is like if I actually think through the fact that someday somebody's actually going to read this, I just get all tied up. So right now... I'm just telling myself all I have to do is get my words done. I don't it doesn't matter, just get them done. And you may so. very well be one of those one of those writers who you know, a one take Charlie kind of guy. So it's it, you're done and you're done. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. <laughs> you know, I like I, I I don't plan ahead that much. So this is the thing I'm working on now. We'll see what happens after this. Okay, well let's dig in a little bit to what you what you do for your day job. With, uh, mm-hmm. Without think. Let's talk about author platforms. Everyone talks about author platforms. Let's first define, in your mind, what is an author platform? Well, an author platform is simply anything you use to sell books. Um, people get really tied up with this definition as like, oh, does it mean your website or does it mean you know your speaking career? It really doesn't matter, especially when you start talking about um, traditional pub- traditional publishing if they ask what your platform is, what all they're really asking is, how are you planning on selling this book when it comes out? And it doesn't really matter if you have a huge email list, if you speak 80 times a year, or if you have a really clever way to stand in Times Square and hand sell 10,000 copies of your book, then that's your platform, whatever it is. And so, you know, I talk mainly about the online space, but I look at, you know, Anything where you are you are connected to enough people in some way where you know you can sell books, that's a platform. That's all it is. And it can look a hundred different ways. And it's going to look different ways depending on the type of author, their personality, what they write, all those things. But all a platform is is how you're going to sell books once you have a book out. And it doesn't matter, you know, a lot of people worry about self-publishing um, versus traditional publishing. Um, it doesn't matter. Either one, you know, the majority of the onus of sales are going to be on you. Mm -hmm. So you've just got a plan to sell your own book and you've got to have a platform to do that. And that's something that a lot of people don't realize when they start down this path. The assumption is, is that if you get a traditional publishing deal that they're going to do this incredible job of marketing your book and all you really need to do is is prepare to go on the, the Colbert show or whatever it may be. Right. And that just doesn't happen anymore. Um, you know, there's outliers where it does happen. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're going to invest a lot more money in books that they know are going to sell. So there's a reason that John Grisham and Stephen King's latest book is on the end cap of every grocery store in America. But if you're a new author, an unknown author, um, you know, actually, I, I had a conversation one time with somebody that worked at a publisher and they, you know, she was one of the ones in the meetings where they're deciding what they're going to do with each book. And she's like, look, here's how it works. She broke it down for me. She's like, you can't tell anybody I told you this. Mm-hmm. So I will never tell her name. But she's like, look, there's an A group, a B group and a C group. A group gets 80 percent of the attention and funding and everything else. B group splits the other 20 percent. And then C group is on their own. And she's like, the vast majority of books, if you're a new author or even a second time author, or you're even a mid-list author, you're in group C, you're pretty much on your own. And um, that's exactly how it works. And so you just have to know that going in. And you know, we can talk about how to make the 
choice of traditional versus self-publishing if you want. But, you know, what, when we're talking about platform, you just have to assume it's going to be up to you to sell your book and um, whether you, no matter how you go about it. And really, that's a good thing. You know, I don't look at that as like, oh, you know, well, since I can't, my publisher can't do it, I should do it. Well, the truth is that with the way everything's going, you are much better off if you are connected directly to your audience. Whenever there is an intermediary, whether it's the publisher or a bookstore or a publicist or whoever it is, you're relying on somebody else to sell your books, which means you're going to have problems in the future if you want to switch genres, if you want to do something new, if you want to do something that's not even a book, you'll have no way to, to actually connect with your fans and let them know the new thing that you're working on. And so I look at building your own platform as not just necessary, because it is, mm-hmm. but as a good thing and that the more that you do it, you know, there's nothing more fulfilling than me to me than being connected to a group of people that are excited about what I'm working on and can't wait to be a part of it. And that allows me to try a lot of different things. You know, if I had got traditionally published with my first book and sold a bunch of copies and then came to him and was like, oh, I want to I want to publish a 50,000 word novel now. They'd be like, not with us. You're not going to. <laughs> and um, and so I could do that because I have direct access to my fans and I can kind of do whatever I want. Um, so I look at it as a good thing. And building a platform um, is, you know, it's fun and it's exciting and it's the best way to go about being an author nowadays. It's it's interesting that the history of the publishing business is is really the the history of authors becoming a little bit closer to their readers over time, and it, it's really you know one of the very few small businesses in the world where traditionally someone would produce a product that sold to end users, and they. They never communicate. There, there is no open line of communica- of communication. It's, it's as though you're building widgets and selling them through Walmart, as opposed to creating a relationship with your reader, which is exactly what the readers want, right? And uh, being able to communicate. So the the direct relationship that you mentioned is is critical, and it really is the fun part of all of this. Yeah, I think so. And um, you know, it depends on your personality of how much you know how much fun you'll have with it but you know it's also just necessary now so when an author you know complains to me about not wanting to do all this stuff it's like okay well that's fine but you're also not going to be as successful or you may just fail completely because this is necessary now so you know it's both sides i think it's great and it's fun and i think most authors if they go about it the right way will really enjoy the experience but also it's becoming more and more and more like this is this is part of the game now like if you want to be an author the idea of the author sitting in their writing cave you know 364 days a year um you know that just doesn't it doesn't work that way anymore and there there are a couple things you said there that i i want to go back to first you said when you go about this the right way. So I, I want to get back to that, and, and we'll discuss what is the right way to go about this. But when, when you mentioned the writing cave, I, I speak to a lot of authors. You speak to a lot of authors. And even those who don't necessarily want to be in the writing cave all the time, who, who don't mind interacting with fans, there is a sense that everything else that needs to be done can be overwhelming. And it really takes you away from the work. So there have to be some strategies and tactics that we can use uh, to streamline this process a little bit so that it it doesn't become all-consuming. We don't get to the end of the day and say, wow, I wrote uh, 300 words and they were all Facebook posts. Yeah, you know, so I have a couple things to say on this subject. The first is I, I don't really buy this because everybody's busy, whether you're a writer or not. Everybody's got too much to do. Everybody can get distracted by Facebook. You know, that that's just life. So the idea that, like, you can become overwhelmed by all this stuff, it's like, absolutely you can. But if you weren't a writer, you would still be overwhelmed by things you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't really like the stance that somehow writers are um, separate 
you know, from everybody else. But what it means is you just have to do kind of traditional productivity type things. Like the first thing I do before I do any other work in the day is I get my writing done. And then once my writing's done, then I start doing the next thing that's most important on my list. And then I do the next thing. And then when it's five o'clock, I go home. And so, yeah, there's the most important things you can be doing. And I'll come back to that. But I feel like I wrote this long blog post about called the myth of, quote, too busy, because I feel like it is this thing that we tell ourselves so that we can give an excuse that we don't get important things done. And I really, really um, don't like when people continually lie to themselves that help them avoid what they actually want to do with their life, if that makes sense. So what I would say is, okay, stop saying you're too busy and say, I haven't made that a priority. And so if you say that, so if somebody says, okay, have you done such and such? Oh, no, I'm too busy. Well, that's not true. You're not too busy. It just wasn't important enough to you to make it a priority, which is true of most things in life. It shouldn't be the most important priority. But if you want to be a writer, it's going to get done because it's going to be a priority. And no matter how busy you are, and again, I've learned this even more the last, you know, this this part of November. I'm just as busy <laughs> during November as any other time of, of the year, mm -hmm. maybe even more so with everything going on. But yet, look at all the words I'm getting written. So that's the first thing. Then, of course, there are things that are more important than other things. You know, um, in my book, I talk about the importance of an email, the importance of an email list. And when it comes to an online platform, email building an email list where you can directly email your fans is the number one, by far the most important thing you can be doing. Um, and if you talk to people that know this stuff and authors that are being successful and other people being successful doing marketing online, and you put in one bucket their email list, and then their other bucket, you put their blog and Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and forums and whatever else. And you just said, okay, just choose one. You only get one. They'll choose their email list and get rid of everything else because that's what actually works. So yes, there are important things you can be doing. You should not be spending a ton of time trying to build a following for your Facebook page where only 2 to 8% of people that have actually liked your page will ever see any of your updates. You should be building an email list and you should be using everything else to get people on your email list. Now let's let's stop right there because I I am a also a firm believer in in the email list and it's something that I preach constantly and for half the people I preach it to I get amen and the other half I get pushback. Um what do you say to the people that push back against the idea of having an email list because they've got Facebook or I mean, you know that it, it seems obvious to you and I that if you if you're only going to get the Eight percent of your people, and that's if you're really good. If you, if you're really engaged with your Facebook followers, maybe eight percent will see it, as opposed to you know fifty to a hundred percent of an email list. I mean, what do you say to people who 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 use that as an argument? Well, usually I walk people down a couple kind of logical paths. So the first would be let's just take Twitter for example. So if you think about um, if you're active on Twitter, think about how many people you follow on Twitter. Okay, just right now get that number in your head. Okay, so I'm just going to use the number 100. Mm -hmm. Let's say you only follow 100 people. Most people follow a lot more. So you're following 100 people. Let's say. Um, each of those people put just five updates out per day on Twitter. So that's 500 updates. How many of those updates? So of everybody you follow online and all the updates they put, um, or all the people you follow on Twitter and all the updates they put out in a single day, how many of those do you actually read? You know, for most people, it's pro most people I've asked, and I've not done an actual like survey, but I ask this question all the time. People are like, oh, maybe 1%. Okay, well then think, well, of all the emails that come in your inbox, how many of them do you at least look at? And it's usually somewhere in the 90 to 95 to 100% range. So now all of a sudden, you're when you put something out on Twitter, you're going into this giant bucket of stuff that people are only looking out of maybe one out of 100 messages. Where when you put something in somebody's inbox, they're looking at almost everything. Because no matter how much the productivity gurus tell us to check our email twice a day, <laughs> we're all basically living in our inbox. So... That's the difference. Um, the same, and so Twitter is 
interesting because it's basically it's very like democratic, right? Every, every if you follow somebody, their post just shows up in your feed. But Facebook's different. They actively call things out of your feed that they think you're not going to find interesting. And actually, just this week, they released another um, update that even more so pages like brand pages like author pages are going to basically not be showing up in people's news feeds unless you pay f- to be there. So all of this work you've done to build up these Facebook fans on your on your page, they probably won't see it. And the same's true of the people that have friended you. If you're using your friend your normal Facebook account and you friended people, a large majority of the people that have friended you aren't seeing your updates. It's just how it works. And so all of a sudden you have these platforms that that people are not looking at the updates. However, people read their email. Mm-hmm. So if you can get access to somebody's inbox, they're much more likely to actually see your message and take action. And so from a logical standpoint, it makes sense, but I've actually tested this too. So I've worked with over 100 different authors. I've worked with email lists that are in the six figures of subscribers. And guess what? Email outperforms by far. We did a launch a couple of years ago of a book and I actually tracked how many books we sold through Twitter. And the author <laughs> had this huge I following on Twitter. I think I read that Twitter. post. <laughs> okay, had this huge following on Twitter. And then um, and then I tracked how many books we could sell to the email list, which, you know, the email list, the amount of people following on Twitter was much bigger than the amount of people on his email list. But it, somebody on the email list was 24 times more likely to buy a book than somebody following him on Twitter. And so if you just test it, you know, if you're on Twitter or, or Facebook, you know, use bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y, Make a Bitly link and then start sharing stuff. And it, you can go and log into Bitly and see how many people are actually clicking those links. And you will be appalled at how few people are actually clicking anything you're putting out there. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it's a no-brainer. If you just test it just a little bit, you'll see. And it, again, if you ask anybody that's making money online, that's doing well online, they'll say the same thing. All right, I'm going to play devil's, devil's advocate a little bit here because that's what I'm doing. And I, I completely agree with what you're saying, but just to make this interesting, I'm going to disagree a little bit. Okay. Um, let's say I'm one of those people who don't want to bother people. I don't, I, and I actually spoke with someone yesterday um, who, when I asked why they didn't have an email list, they said, I, I don't like to bother people. And, you know, you're, you're trying to sell your books. You're not you're not bothering them. They would have signed up for an email list because they want this information. Uh, How do you get people over that hurdle? Well, usually I, I, I want you to flip it around in your mind. So there's this author I love called Brent. His name is Brent Weeks. And, um, I love his books. So when they come out, I pre-order as soon as I find out they're pre-ordered. I pre-order, even if it's six months early, because mm-hmm. I just love his books. Now, why did I buy that book? Am I sitting there thinking, you know what? Brent Weeks has kids. I don't know if he has kids. Brent Weeks has kids. He's got a house payment. You know what? I really need to help him out with his house payment. Make sure he doesn't get kicked out on the street. I'm going to buy a copy of his book. Or am I thinking, I love his writing. I love reading his stories. I can't wait to read his next story. I'm going to buy his book. That's what I'm, that's what we're thinking mm-hmm. when we buy a book. So we're not buying books for the author. We're buying books for ourselves. And so and what drives me crazy is when I love an author and they don't let me know when something new is out. Right? The only reason I knew Brent Weeks' latest book was out cuz I'm subscribed to his blog and he's like, "Hey, my new books now available for pre-order." He wasn't bothering me. He was mm-hmm. letting me know through a channel that I subscribed to, which was his blog, and he should have an email list. But so when you have an email list, you're not bothering people. You're giving them exactly what they want because every email you send out has a little unsubscribe link right at the bottom, and anybody can unsubscribe anytime they want. And you don't, you know, you're not just like stealing people's email addresses and putting them on there. You're inviting them to be on your email list. And so if they sign up, I assume they want to know what I'm talking about and the things that I'm sharing. And if they don't want to know, they can just unsubscribe, no hard feelings. I'll talk to people that actually want to hear what I'm saying. 
So you have to kind of turn it around and think about like your favorite author, your favorite artist, your favorite musician, the people that you want to stay connected with and you want to know when they come out with something new, people are going to feel the same way about you and your books. And so it's important that you give them that access because otherwise they're not going to know when you have something new out and they're going to suffer. You know, that's the thing that so many authors forget is that your writing will make this world a better place. You know, I confidently recommend my book, Your First 1,000 Copies, because I think it's one of the best books written on the subject, and I know authors' lives will get easier when they read it. So the more people that read my book, the better off this world will be, and the same is true about your book. And so the more people that read your book, the better off this world will be, and if that's true, it's your job to get more people to read it. And again, it's not, you know, anything I've written, anything I do, it's not about shoving books down people's throat. It's about making sure that people are that might be interested in the book know it exists and you invite them to be a part of what you're doing. That's fabulous. I'd like to record that and just have, I don't know, maybe a hundred <laughs> of my friends listen to that as, as part of their wake-up process in the morning just to get the day started. That that's really good. <laughs> it really is true. You know, I it really is true. Like, oh, I'm it's a, completely true. I, I'm not, I, I know, but it's like it's people are like it's that whole like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, God loves you, but He doesn't love me. Right. You know, it's like it's like this whole thing of just like yeah, yeah, yeah. I love other people's books, but people will never feel like that about my books. When the whatever author you love, they felt the same way about their own writing. You know, so. Um, so it, it is honestly true. I'm not just like making this stuff up. You know, books have impacted my life for the better. And if those authors had believed the lies that their writing doesn't matter, that they were bothering people with their writing, my life wouldn't be better because of their writing. And so um, it's important. That's a fundamental thing to marketing um, is that you have to actually believe what you're selling is good. And I'll, I'll throw in a quick story. I, I just spoke with a friend who was out at BoucherCon, which is a big mystery conference for people who don't know, uh, who don't write crime fiction. And he came back just reinvigorated because there are fans there and meeting the fans and realizing that, he, you know, he's mostly in the writing cave and he's doing these things and he's interacting with people digitally. But you sometimes don't realize how important your books are to your audience until you meet them in person. And when you only do that once a year, um, you know, you can only fill the tank up so much by doing that. But uh, I, I was astonished that he came back with this, oh, my God, people, it was a Sally Field moment. You love me. You really love me. Yeah, well, and and then you were, and then you're sitting there as his friend was like, well, yeah, of course they do. Yeah, well, not you know. only a, a friend, but a fan. Right. And uh, yeah, you know, we all, everybody that reads your books loves your books. And we do pre-order them six months in advance because we can. Right. Okay, let's dig into what makes a good author platform. And let's just speak digitally. You know, it, it's great if you're on television or you have this enormous platform, but most of us don't. So let's, let's talk about what makes a good author platform. And, and we've talked about the email list and the value of that. So that's either number one or number one A in terms of the platform, but you need a vehicle for collecting those email addresses as well. Yeah, and and email is um, a tactic, and I, I want to be very careful here because I always like to start with strategy okay. because strategy is timeless. Email is, uh, you know, tactics come and go. Um, so the the strategy that I look at, and there's three problems that every author has to solve, and if they solve those three problems, they're going to find success. And those problems are permission, content, and outreach. And so let me just define those real quick. So the first is permission. And permission is simply a way to communicate with people that gets their attention and drives action. I don't care what it is. And of course, you know, we've, I've kind of jumped the gun. We've talked about the email list and that's mm -hmm. what I use. But as soon as email no longer works and something else works better, trust me, I will jump ship because all I care about is permission. I want a way to communicate with my fans that gets their attention and drives action. That's why Twitter and Facebook and these other things aren't permission because you can't, you can't get people's attention and it doesn't drive action. 
So that's the first thing is permission. The second thing is content. You have to put content out in the world widely and freely. You want to put content out in lots of different ways and lots of different modalities, lots of different types of content, and you want to see how far you can get it to spread for free. And the reason why that's so important is because content is how people get to know you. Um, and so they have to interact with the, your content. They have to read something you've written before they decide to give you permission. And then, of course, there's outreach. And outreach is simply anything that moves people from not knowing you exist to knowing you exist. And it can be anything. It can speak, be speaking at a conference. It can be something like being interviewed on a podcast. I'm doing outreach right now. Um, you know, it can be writing blog guest blog posts. It can literally be anything that's moving people from not knowing you exist to knowing you exist. And when you put all these three, these three things together, you find they kind of make this path. So if you have a plan to move people from not knowing you exist to knowing you exist. And then once they know you exist, you give them content to find out if, you know, they have to find out if you're a good fit for them. And then once they decide, oh, yeah, I like what this guy's doing. I like what, the, you know, I like what she's doing. You say, okay, give me permission to stay in contact with you long term. And now you have a fan that you've connected to that you're going to be able to talk to for a long time. And if you solve those three things, you're going to find success. That's why. If, I mean, if you apply this to something like the next Stephen King book, he has permission. It looks different because his permission is people, every store in America knows they can sell Stephen King novels. So they're going to put his books in a place where they're going to grab people's attention and get them to take action. And he gives, he has tons of content out in the world. And of course, outreach is already done because he's been doing it for years and everybody already knows who he is. Right. Mm -hmm. So he's already had all those three pieces. Well, as a new author, you know, that nobody knows I exist yet, I have to do a lot different things. And so what I look at is I want a good website that has content on it, and it can be lots of different types of content, but something where people can find out who I am and what I'm about. And the number one call to action, the number one thing I want people to do when they come to my website is not buy my book. I want them on my email list. When I say building your email list is the number one thing you should be doing, I put that above selling books. So if somebody, if I have a chance to sell somebody a book or get them on my email list, I want them on my email list because once they're there, I'll sell them this book plus every other book I write in the future. So make sure your website, the number one thing, get people on an email list. And then your job is to get as many people to that website as possible because once they're there, they're going to sign up for the email list. And so if you're filling up each of those three things, if you have, if you have people, if you have outreach and you have content and you have permission, you're going to find success. Okay, those are strategies, and, and that makes perfect sense. So let's get a, let's get a little bit tactical. Um, how do we get people to our websites? You mentioned content. There are there, as you mentioned, there are lots of different uh, forms of content you can put on your website. Uh, there are these outreach platforms that, that you can get involved in that might drive people back to your website. What do you find with your clients that, that works the best to driving people to that email sign-up form? The best thing I've found is to um, there. Well, there's lots of there's lots of different things. So um, there's things where you write for other websites. So whether it's uh, a big Huffington Post or your friend's blog or whatever it is, you know, any time that you can be put in front of an audience again that doesn't know you exist. They'll learn about you. That's a really great way to do it. Um, speaking places is a one way a lot of nonfiction authors do it. Um, I like when authors work together. So um, one of the things that I try to do is find other authors, other people writing similar things to me, and we try to help out each other. So I promote them to, to my people, and I give them stuff to promote me to their people. And I'm constantly looking at ways that I can help other people. So you know, for these websites that need a lot of content, you, know, you can provide content that they can give away. Um, same thing with podcasts. You, know, you need guests for your podcast, so mm -hmm. now... Now, I'm a guest on your podcast. It's helping you out, but it's also doing outreach for me. And I've found podca podcasts work really well as well. And so all of these different things. The other thing is um, 
you'd be surprised how many doors just being an author opens. Um, you know, I had done all of this work of like launching number one New York Times bestselling books. I had five clients on the New York Times list at the same time. I've launched all these books. I built all these platforms. You know, I'd worked with all these authors, but it wasn't until I had a book that things really started happening for me. And so what I learned is a book can be a weapon to open up doors in ways that wouldn't you wouldn't be able to otherwise. You know, I'd put in to speak at this one conference for five or six years and got turned down every year until I had a book and then they accepted my proposal. You know, so um, I just look at anything where like, okay, where are groups of people that might be interested in, in my reading what I have to write or listening to what I have to say? I'm going to show up there and I'm going to give away content so they can get to know who I am and then I'm going to invite them to be a part of my email list. Let's use a uh, an example that if people that listen to this podcast will be aware of this example because he was the guest last week, and that's Sean Coyne, who um, has the StoryGrib website. He -hmm. took uh, a course or some courses from you, so you guys have a business relationship. And he is, I mean, he helps uh, Stephen Pressfield build his platform, so he was involved Mm -hmm. in that, but that was Stephen's platform. Now he's building his own platform, and he's got this wonderful website. He's producing all this great content. He's doing step-by-step-by-step exactly what you suggest that we do. Um, Exactly. That is a great example of someone really starting from scratch because the story grid is, is, the website, I believe, is, is... was initially produced to drive attention for the Story Grid book, which is coming out. But I have a sense that it's just going to become Sean's online presence, and it's going to it's going to be a long term thing. Exactly, and it's going to become the thing that he can use to launch everything he does in the future. And that's what's important too. Is you know, I don't look, I don't ever want to build a platform for a book. I want to build a platform for an author mm-hmm. because if if people are fans of the author they're not going to just disappear during the next book because they're fans of the author. They're going to be go along for the ride. Um, and again, you can see this with my own platform where I've had lots of people that are like, Oh man, I can't wait to re- read this book you're writing. And I'm like, it's fiction. Like it <laughs> is, it is, you know, I wrote my first book was about online marketing for authors. And now my second book is a fantasy novel. <laughs> like you can't get more like across the spectrum from what I've written. And the same people that were interested in my first book are interested in my second one because they're fans of me, not any particular book. And so that's what you can you see is you want to build a platform around you. And and um, you know, Sean's doing a fantastic job with the story grid. He's just I mean his content is just killer. Oh, it is off the charts good. Yeah, and so he's really doing it the right way where he's putting content out in the world. He's doing outreach by writing on Stephen's blog and many other things. And then, of course, he has an email sign-up, and people are signing up for the email so they can hear more. I mean, it's like textbook. He's filling up each of those things. Mm -hmm. And so – and it's hard – um, I'm actually working with a friend of mine now, just kind of helping him walk through it. And it's hard. You know, he's sitting at like 50 subscribers. He's like, man, you know, I just, I feel like it's going slow. And it's like, well, it is slow at first, but it builds and the momentum builds and it's it, you have to keep going with it. Um, so it is hard work. But like we talked about early on, it's it's spending time on the right things. You know, if you're spending time building the right things, you're going to have long-term success. If you spend your time wasting your time on a bunch of different things that don't actually help, you're going to have long-term failure. So it's really important to figure out what those important things are, what those things are that make a big difference, and focus your time on those. You know, it's, it's funny. You mentioned your friend with 50 people on the email list. People that have 150,000 people on their email list at one point had 50. Exactly. And everybody's deathly afraid of, I may only get my mother and uh, three cousins. And it just, you just work through the process and you slowly build these up and then it it develops a momentum uh, on its own if you're doing all the right things, following the right steps. Well, and, you know, it's a learning process just like anything else. So, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and about five years ago, I was listening to this guy talk and um, this was... So this is maybe a little longer than five. No, that was about five years ago Mm -hmm. because I was kind of in this space where I felt like, man, I've been doing this a while. Why isn't this business thing working? And I was listening to this guy talk. 
And he's like, look, he's like, making money is just like any other skill. You get better at it the more you do it and the longer you do it. He's like, it's just like learning an instrument. You know, you learn an instrument and there's times where you feel like you suck and then all of a sudden you get better and then you feel like you suck again and then all of a sudden you're getting better. (laughs) He's like, learning to make money is the same way and learning to do this stuff is the same way. But the difference is, you know, we know that okay, if I'm going to try to learn the guitar and I've never played the guitar before, like this is going to be a long learning process where I'm mostly going to suck, right? But for some reason, when it comes to this kind of stuff, we we see so many what we think is success out there that we get really frustrated when we don't find success in the first 60 days of trying. And you have to remember that this is a learning process just like anything else. And because... Um, you know, I can only give advice to a certain percentage because, you know, 20% of what you're doing is going to be very particular to you. Like I can't, you know, the things I do to build my platform aren't all going to work for other people because it's a completely different audience and I'm a completely different person. So it takes some just getting out there and trying it and seeing what works. And I've written about, you know, having an experimental mindset and doing something where it's like, I'm just going to try this, see if it works and then try something new. Um, and make sure that we give ourselves grace and, and calm down about looking at like everything we do has to succeed. Um, you know, one of my best friends, um, you know, he said, you know, and he's like, super successful. You know, he talks about how he's like at least 83% of the things I do fail. <laughs> you know, he's like but I just try and I try and I try and I try and I do lots of little experiments until I find the things that work and then I just keep doing those, you know. Um so I think it's important that we give ourselves grace in this of like yes, you're not an expert internet marketer. You're not going to get it right your first time, but if you if you help learn from people like me and many others out there that are smarter than me, um, you'll be able to learn like how to miss the really big potholes and help you hone in on the things you really should be trying. And that's really what this is. I've been in the technology business a long time. I've been in the internet space for 15 years. And what we're talking about are internet marketing tactics that are being applied in a specific way to build an audience for authors. So right. it's it's... A similar tactic could be used to sell a course or uh, a video or a teaching arrangement. Um, but yeah. but w- what we're talking about is using these tact- strategies and tactics to build your audience so that you can sell more books. Right, exactly. You know, I have a lot of musicians on my email list because they found, you know, similar things work for them. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you know, nothing, none of this is like brand new information, um, but learning how to do it just for authors is, a uh, is interesting and it's hard. And so, you know, I try to help people learn from what I've learned with, um, you know, all the authors I've worked with so that they don't have to make all the mistakes like I did. One of the things that you do to collect email addresses on your site, if people go to your site, which is outthinkgroup.com, right? outthinkgroup.com. That's right. right. You do try and direct people to sign up for the email list. I signed up for the email list. You offer people a free 30-day platform building course, which I took and really enjoyed, learned some things from. So that's called a lead magnet in, in this space. That's a lead magnet. You're offering something to sign up for the email list. Uh, Sean, on the other hand, at, at his website, He's not offering a lead magnet. He's just asking you to sign up. Um, I, I see a lot of authors that will offer a free short story or free novel. Traditionally published authors probably can't do that. Uh, do you have a sense of the difference it makes whether you're offering a lead magnet or not? Yeah, I would tell Sean he needs a lead magnet and he'd see a lot more conversions, a lot more people signing up. Um, it's just the difference of like, if I said, if I said, hey, Steven, you know, would you like to get more email in your inbox? <laughs> you know, like all of us would be like, no way. You know, like I, I have trouble getting through what I get. So you've got to give people a compelling reason to give you their email address. Now, Sean is finding success because he has killer it, content. His content you know, is so good. And that's, yeah. that's what the lead magnet is. It's you don't want to miss this. Get it in right. your email box. 
Yeah, but I would still, I would be willing to bet that a good lead magnet would up it because there's a difference between saying, hey, sign up for my email list or hey, sign up for my updates, which both of those don't really mean anything. You have no, people have no idea what they're getting. But if they're saying, sign up right now and I'm going to send you X, you know, I'm going to send you this really cool thing that you, that you're going to get a lot out of, all of a sudden, you know, much more people are going to be, um, uh, motivated to go ahead and give you their email address and sign up. Okay, so we focused on two things here. Uh, tactically, we're talking about websites, we're talking about email lists. Is there a third thing that uh, authors should focus on, a third leg of this stool? Well, I look at your website and your email list as like a bucket. Okay. Um, you know, those actually have to catch people. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of uh, authors will go out and spend a lot of money with a publicist or they'll be doing a lot of stuff. But when people actually show up at their website, they look at something and then leave and you never catch that person. So it's like you have this bucket with all these holes in it. So people come in and they fall right out the bottom. So once you have a good website that's going to get people on the email list, that's actually catching people, you've plugged all those holes. Now the job is to fill that bucket. And again, that's the hard part. Um, but that is the third part is, you know, then you look at everything else's outreach. So I put social media in outreach. I put speaking in outreach. I put podcast interviews in outreach. And you just have to go out and try lots of different outreach tactics to get people to your website to sign up. So even in this conversation, it hasn't been too heavy handed, but, you know, we've managed to mention my email list probably a half a dozen times at this point. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm hoping is, you know, a certain percentage of people that are listening to this go and sign up and they get this free course, you know, that has all these updates in it. And then at the end of that, I hope they like me enough and they like the content enough that they'll stick around for what I'm doing in the future. And so, um, you know, that that's really the third piece is like once you've built that bucket, you've got a decent website, you've got a decent email list, sign up. Now you just have to go out and let people know that you exist. And because people are listening to this in their car and they're going to forget by the time they get back, they'll have to go to my website, which is theauthorbiz.com. That's right. So that they can get the link to your website. But while they're there, they should certainly sign up for my email list. And that's the way we do it. I don't know. I I really think they should sign up for mine first. I'm just saying. (laughs) No. um, Yeah, that's that's the idea. You know, this is this is a big part of you doing outreach and content because people are finding you with this podcast Mm -hmm. that would have never heard of you before. They're getting great content on it and they're going to want to sign up so that they don't miss anything else. Well, Tim, this has been very educational and a lot of fun. I I really thank you. What's the best way? We've mentioned it a few times, but let's mention it again. What's the best way for people to reach out to you? Uh, So the best thing is uh, to sign up for the email list at outthinkgroup.com. Just Google anything close to that or my name and you'll find it. Um, That's where I send out the best stuff. I send regular updates. Uh, My book is your first 1,000 copies. Um, I hit 215 reviews now. So um, I've gotten a lot of great feedback on it. And um, again, if you're an author trying to build your platform, it's a great place to start. So uh, those are probably the two best things to do. Thank you very much for your time today. Yeah, thank you, Stephen. Thanks for listening to The Author Biz Podcast at www.theauthorbiz.com. If you'd like to find out more about the show or anything we mentioned, just check out the website. You can also subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. If you have comments or suggestions, please leave them at the site, or you can email me at authorbiz at gmail.com. Please join us again next week for another informative episode.